Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. So what sort of weight do you feel has been lifted from your body and soul since January 20th? So many of them. I mean, I am just like, I was saying to someone the other day, I was like, it's so nice to like not feel like I have to look at the news in order to stay up to date on what's crumbling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like now... I mean, things are still crumbling, but like at a different pace. (laughs) In a different way. Right, exactly. But I do think the people that have been elected will be very good at their jobs Mm. and are extremely capable of doing the work required of them Mm -hmm. and have also appointed extremely capable and qualified people to do the work. And I'm just like, it's so nice to just see government operating the way it's supposed to operate. Mm -hmm. And like, then some, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it was so nice to see like, a press conference where they were following COVID protocols, people who are informed and clear about what they're saying. And like that misinformation is not like the cornerstone of an administration. Right. That was everything. I just have to say the part that was healing for me was Amanda Gorman's poem, The Mm. Hill That We Climb. The Hill We Climb. Mm -hmm. When I watched her perform that at the inauguration. You see everybody getting sworn in and you see everybody, you know, making the speeches. Joe Biden gave an extraordinary speech. But then her poem was the moment where I was like, now I feel healing. Mm -hmm. And I watched it like I had it on while I was like doing other work. And then I was like, I have to just watch this entire ceremony Mm -hmm. and not do anything else because... I have to watch this as part of my own healing. Mm -hmm. And so that poem that she read, that was the thing that I felt like helped to like call upon all of the, all of the spirits of this world to like, you know, bring about the healing and the good feelings and the warmth and the goodness while also acknowledging all of the hard and all of the dark and all of the, you know, pain of, Mm -hmm. you know, the present and the past so that we can all like move forward together. Like I felt like she was the one who went, okay, 
we did all of this. We've done all of the ceremony, and now, now let's walk. Yeah. What about for you? Yeah, it just feels like the abject terror of every day has <laughs> sort of subsided. There does feel like there is sort of a calmness that I don't think I have had felt in a long time. I definitely feel like that doesn't need to be and nor should it be complacency because there's no place for that. Because clearly in the death rattles of the f- previous administration, there was a violent insurrection against the country and um, that should never be forgotten. And that should galvanize people to work to better educate people, to better connect with people, and to really try to communicate better. At the same time, knowing that that's not always going to be the solution to the problem. There also obviously needs to be a better assumption and association with what domestic terrorism is and how that operates in this country. And we need to kind of really take a hard look at what needs to change in the the country as a whole but i i do feel like that i think shook a lot of people out of their complacency hopefully um and shook a lot of people out of their like spell that they had somehow fallen under i think that there is an opportunity now for some good to be done and i think that's a broad statement but i do think that there is there's more of an opportunity for movement towards right as opposed to selfishness, which was, I think, the hallmark of the last administration towards peace instead of hatred, towards love instead of incredible asinine (laughs) decision-making. I know those aren't necessarily opposites of one another, but I just feel like... I think it works. Yeah. I think it works. It just feels like there's possibility. Yeah, it does. There's possibility for hope again. Hello and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. I'm Mike. And I'm Dusty. Trail Mix is the short format episodes of our show. Our long format episodes explore one hiking trail in one national park, one park at a time. Trail Mix allows us to dive deeper into things we didn't get to cover in the long format episodes. That's right. And if you follow our show, you know that our Trail Mix episodes often look into environmental issues that affect not only the national parks, but the global environment as a whole. This episode is no exception, as we will dive into Joe Biden's environmental plans for the next four years and beyond, and what course he seeks to chart in making the U.S. a major player in tackling climate change. But before we dive deeper, let's all just take a collective moment to take a breath. And remember that our long-suffering nightmare is over. (laughs) Now... It's not a surprise that we found the administration that occupied the White House prior to Joe Biden to be divisive, greedy, and self-serving, with a whole pile of racism, white supremacy, and class inequality piled on top. While these issues themselves are enough to write heinous volumes upon heinous volumes of history, one thing that also stuck out like a 70-degree day in New England in the middle of January was the administration's attack on the environment. There are plenty of examples of this attack, despite the rhetoric that their administration was constantly improving the environmental protections and policy of the nation. Just like when we jumped out of the Paris Climate Agreement saying, quote, and we'll sit down with the Democrats and all of the people that represent either the Paris Accord or something that we can do that's much better than the Paris Accord. And I think the people of our country will be thrilled. And I think the people of the world will be thrilled. But until we do that, we're out of the agreement, end quote. 
That wasn't even coherent English. No. And spoiler alert, this plan never manifested itself. Just like a better healthcare system to replace the ACA or a cohesive federal plan to tackle the coronavirus pandemic. And while we could wax on endlessly about what wasn't done in the past administration or more horrifically what was repealed, we would rather focus on the future potential to craft better policy and to create a lasting climate legacy that we can all be proud of. That and the National Parks Conservation Association has already compiled quite a list of how our public lands have been affected in over 130 acts. That is well worth a read. And so as we look to the future and at the start of the Biden administration, we look to see what has been promised and what potential there is for change for the better. We are going to give you some of the major highlights of what has been proposed prior to or at the start of his administration by Biden and his team and see where things take us. Time will tell what comes to fruition. Let's start with a big ticket item that is incredibly important in moving the goalpost forward in regards to climate change, re-entering the Paris Climate Agreement. This was a day one activity for President Biden. The Paris Climate Agreement, which was crafted in 2015 and made up of 200 countries, pledged to reduce carbon emissions worldwide, limiting the rise of the global temperature at 1.5 degrees Celsius, thus avoiding a greater disaster of a 2 degrees Celsius rise. The coalition agreement also seeks to strengthen countries' ability to deal with climate change by supporting their efforts. This involves some major shifts to the way the world works, including working towards net zero carbon emissions. Now, when the previous administration decided to jump from the agreement, they claimed that they should worry more about Pittsburgh than Paris. Coincidentally, Pittsburgh stands with the Paris Climate Agreement. In an incredibly short-sighted and nationalistic approach, which was the hallmark of their tenure. There was also political motivation as promises were made to keep coal in business while also expanding their operations. The U.S. formally exited the agreement one day after the presidential election on November 4th, 2020. While we have only been out of the agreement for a little over two months by the time we've re-entered it, it is a pivotal step forward to reaffirm our commitment to it and the global community at large. In the last five years, the agreement has brought about some change and strides in the right direction, including over 1,000 companies pledging to reduce their carbon emissions. Cities worldwide have focused on greener possibilities, including updated and environmentally friendly mass transit. More and more banks have started moving away from funding fossil fuels, and many countries are taking more aggressive action steps than originally outlined in the 2015 agreement. The U.S., the second biggest polluter in the world, re-entering this agreement means for a greater outcome than if we were not part of it. Let's talk about some other big news for day one. The Biden administration pulled the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. You know, the cross-continental pipeline that would bring 830,000 barrels of oil daily from Alberta to the Gulf of Mexico that violated tribal lands and did so despite treaty obligations or thorough environmental impact statements. The same pipeline in which hundreds of people were arrested for protesting because of this and many other reasons. Oh yeah, that pipeline. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) While the permit was originally approved on the third day of the previous administration, it was bogged down by court cases over the last four years. However, pulling these permits would mean it would indefinitely be in limbo slash abandoned, which would also ensure a greater gain in the fight against emissions, not only in construction and operation, but in oil, which 
would travel through it, and which would eventually be utilized. The concern over this pipeline was not just from the tribal perspective, but also from farmers and ranchers who also feared losses of land through eminent domain, and the very real fear that this was an environmental catastrophe waiting to happen, with the potential for spills or leaks that could end up in watersheds and aquifers, thus poisoning the landscape, sacred territory, and farmland alike. These are high-profile changes and adjustments from the previous administration, and a flurry of more reinstated policies, which were rolled back, are likely to be prominent in the initial course of the administration. But that alone will not propel the U.S. to where it should be in the fight on climate change. Much of the initial work will be to regain ground and to build back organizations like the EPA, which was effectively neutered under the last administration. There also may be executive action which requires every federal agency and office to address climate change and work to include climate change in all of their policy decisions. While Biden may not be following letter by letter to the proposed Green New Deal, it is clear that along with meaningful and level-headed action on COVID, the environment is a major priority. This couldn't be clearer than looking at Joe Biden's plan for climate change on his website or learning more about the people he has tapped for his cabinet positions. Biden's plan states that the Green New Deal is the, quote, crucial framework for meeting the climate challenges we face. It powerfully captures two basic truths which are at the core of his plan. One, the United States urgently needs to embrace greater ambition on an epic scale to meet the scope of this challenge. And two, our environment and our economy are completely and totally connected, end quote. His plan goes on to outline some important points, including ensuring the U.S. achieves 100% clean energy economy and reaches net zero emissions no later than 2050. This is a proposed $2 trillion plan. While much of President Biden's initial climate reversal of rescinding policies can be done through executive action, a plan like this will certainly involve Congress as they hold the purse strings. While the Democrats do hold the Senate and the House, there will most likely need to be some compromise struck in order to ensure this passage. Whether that is within the Democratic Party or across the aisle, you can guarantee that this important battle will be hard fought. John Kerry, Biden's pick for climate czar, will undoubtedly have a hand in working on this plan, as well as smoothing out some of the global politics of the last few years. As former Secretary of State, this part of the role will be familiar to Kerry. He will also have a seat on the Security Council, which is a major step and something that underscores not only Biden's trust in Kerry, but the importance of this mantle he takes up. His plan also states that he seeks to build a stronger, more resilient nation. Much of this goal underscores the importance of infrastructure and working toward not only updates for the good of the country, but for the good of the environment. This infrastructure must also face the challenges of changing environment. Pete Buttigieg, Biden's pick for transportation secretary, will have his work cut out for him. Part of his plan will include implementing new environmentally clean public transportation, expanding cycling paths within cities, and ushering in new railroad revolution, creating high-speed lines across the western states. This will certainly be a step in a more progressive direction as infrastructure was a centerpiece of the previous administration, but never seemed to manifest. Just like that replacement plan for the ACA. He also plans to rally the rest of the world to meet the threat of climate change. In some ways, this goal feels lofty, especially since we have been both absent and actively working against climate change 
for the last four years, or rather our twice impeached president was. It will take the work of climate czar John Kerry and Secretary of State Antony Blinken to push this vision. Both Kerry and Blinken will need to work to reintroduce the U.S. to the world stage after an America first agenda. If we are to work with both allies and stand up to those we are at odds with relating to climate change, we will need a strong message of collectivism. Biden also states that he will stand up to the abuse of power by polluters who disproportionately harm communities of color and low-income communities. This has been an important part of Biden's transition team, asking for members to investigate policies that can help reduce pollution in Black and Latinx communities, of which are disproportionately affected by pollution, Black communities about 53% more affected, and Latinx communities about 63% more affected. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will likely be pivotal in working towards this goal. Ms. Yellen's role will be based on the home front, ensuring economic prosperity for the multitude while also potentially enacting punitive economic measures for those who do not meet or violate climate policy aimed at working toward emission reduction goals. Along with these goals and the work of his cabinet members, and aside from the re-entry to the Paris Climate Agreement and repeal of the permits for the Keystone XL pipeline, President Biden plans to do the following early on, if not on day one. Requiring aggressive methane pollution limits for new and existing oil and gas operations. Using the federal government procurement system, which spends $500 billion every year to drive towards 100% clean energy and zero emission vehicles. Ensuring that all U.S. government installations, buildings, and facilities are more efficient and climate ready, harnessing the purchasing power and supply chains to drive innovation. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions from transportation, the fastest growing source of U.S. climate pollution, by preserving and implementing uh, the existing Clean Air Act and developing rigorous new fuel economy standards aimed at ensuring 100% of new sales for light and medium-duty vehicles will be electrified and annual improvements for heavy-duty vehicles doubling down on the liquid fuels of the future, which make agriculture a key part of the solution to climate change. Advanced biofuels are now closer than ever as we begin to build the first plants for biofuels, creating jobs and new solutions to reduce emissions in planes, ocean-going vessels, and more. Saving consumers money and reduce emissions through new aggressive appliance and building efficiency standards. Committing that every federal infrastructure investment should reduce climate pollution and require any federal permitting decisions to consider the effects of greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. Requiring public companies to disclose climate risks and the greenhouse gas emissions in their operations and supply chains. Protecting biodiversity, slowing extinction rates, and helping leverage national climate solutions by conserving 30% of America's lands and waters by 2030. Protecting America's natural treasures by permanently protecting the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge and other areas impacted by President Trump's attack on federal lands and waters, establishing national parks and monuments that reflect America's natural heritage, banning new oil and gas permitting on public lands and waters, modifying royalties to account for climate costs, and establishing targeted programs to enhance reforestation and develop renewables on federal lands and waters with the goal of doubling offshore wind by 2030. All of this information comes directly from Joe Biden's website. While not everything can be fixed on the first day, 
the first week or the first year, the fact that there is such a strong commitment to facing climate change square on and working toward a zero emission U.S. is a step in the right direction. While the goals of the presidents can often be big when it comes to climate change, we need to think big and prepare for the hard work ahead. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. We're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks featured on this show, visit our website, gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on our website and on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs>